It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, October 19th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Hundreds of Sitkins embraced the rain yesterday afternoon, lining Lincoln Street for the annual celebration of Alaska Day. The multi-day festival, sponsored by the Alaska Day Committee, included everything from formal balls and concerts to the annual pie sale and beard contest, and culminated in the Sitka Historical Society's 7th Annual Brew Fest. The state holiday commemorates the day in 1867 when Alaska was formally transferred from Russia to the United States during a ceremony atop New Tlaine, or Castle Hill. The transfer is reenacted in a ceremony atop the hill each year. New Tlaine was once the site of Kiksadi clan houses, which were later destroyed by the Russians. For the last six years, many have begun to recognize Reconciliation Day on October 18th, with a morning ceremony acknowledging the sale of stolen Tlingit land from one colonial power to another. You can find photos from the parade and the morning ceremony on our website at kcaw.org. An international human rights commission has found that mining practices in British Columbia could violate the fundamental human rights of communities and tribes in southeast Alaska. As KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, it's a significant step in a years-long effort by Southeast tribal leaders to have a say in the permitting of Canadian mine projects. Wrangell Island sits tucked at the mouth of the Stikine River Delta. The silty water has sustained migratory birds, salmon, and people for thousands of years. If I don't have enough salmon on a weekly basis, I feel like I am going to shrivel up and die. <laughs> Upseen Esther Reese is the tribal administrator for Wrangell's tribal government. But in all seriousness, my ancestors have managed the waterways and, and the lands in this area since time immemorial. They found the oldest domesticated a dog bone on the back channel, and it is 10,000 years old. And so it just shows how long our people have been on these lands and have relied on the waterways for our very survival. Reese is also president of the Southeast Alaska Indigenous Transboundary Commission, a nonprofit consortium of 15 tribes that advocates for watershed protections and tribal representation in environmental decision-making processes. The fact that there are these mines above the colonial border that do not have the best interests at heart for the environment and for living gently on the land is basically what we're fighting against. The largest tributary of the Stikine River, the Iskut, across the border in Canada, is almost entirely staked with mineral exploration claims. Southeast communities and tribal governments and Alaska's congressional delegation have long expressed concerns with mining practices in the Canadian province of British Columbia. Many operational and proposed mines in the province straddle what are called transboundary watersheds that flow from B.C. to southeast Alaska. Recent scientific studies have found that even if a mine doesn't have a catastrophic failure, mines can have watershed impacts hundreds of miles downstream and years into the future. In 2020, the Southeast Alaska Indigenous Transboundary Commission filed an international human rights complaint against the federal government of Canada and the provincial government of British Columbia. The complaint cites what's called the American Declaration of the Rights and Duties of Man, an international agreement formed in 1948 as one of the first actions of the United Nations. It's a non-binding declaration on the fundamental economic, social, and cultural rights of humans. Guy Archibald is the executive director of the Southeast Alaska Indigenous Transboundary Commission. We filed a complaint alleging that Canada has violated that declaration because they have not consulted with 
anybody, and specifically the tribes here in southeast Alaska, on any of these mining projects. Canadian officials took almost a year to respond to the complaint, well outside the designated time for response, which led to some back and forth over the ensuing years. In late August, the International Commission, called the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights, agreed that Canadian mining practices could be violating the fundamental rights of Southeast tribes and communities. That kicked off another round of review and opportunities to comment. Archibald says he hopes the Inter-American Commission will decide in favor of Southeast tribes. In his view, it would fundamentally change the way the Canadian federal and B.C. provincial governments approach mining. They would have to assure that these mines are not going to pollute our waters. They're going to have to consult with us. They're going to have to respect our traditional cultural opportunities, some of which now reside within Canada and within B.C., Canada wouldn't be forced to comply with recommendations from the International Human Rights Commission. It doesn't have any enforcement power. But Archibald says it could help. Even if Canada kind of refuses to implement these recommendations, it would be a big embarrassment to them on the world stage that they do not uphold human rights. And I would also hope that any potential investor in any of these mining companies would also have second thoughts about investing their hard-earned money in the companies that violate human rights. The Inter-American Commission on Human Rights did not respond to a request for comment on the evaluation process. In an emailed statement, a spokesperson for the Canadian Department of Justice said it is proactively participating and that, quote, Canada recognizes the legitimacy of the petition process. Reese, Rengel's tribal administrator, says a finding in favor of Southeast tribes would be a historic recognition of traditional territories and the rights of Indigenous people to be able to protect them. It's it's a very important fight. It's an emotional fight. We are not just fighting for us. We're fighting for those who come after us, just like those who came before us. Southeast tribes and the Canadian government have four months to respond to the initial finding by the Inter-American Human Rights Commission. The commission could then issue a final finding early next year. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. There's a nearly 100-year-old wooden boat in Petersburg that's become a staple of the tight-knit local music scene. Musicians in town have a few performance spaces to choose from. A lot of them are in bars. But the crew of the Roeda brings a unique option with them when they come to town, transforming the boat's fish hold into an improvised soundstage. KFSK's Shelby Herbert has more from the deck. It's a brisk Thursday night in September in Petersburg South Harbor. The chill is already starting to set in, and the people are starting to pour out of town. Alex Deacon is the captain of the Rowetta, but tonight she's also the master of ceremonies for an open mic on board. <laughs> Lots of debauchery, but good heathens we are. I'd love to uh, just encourage anyone who's brave enough to have a volunteer. Anybody? Anybody? At Deacon's invitation, a handful of people start tuning their guitars, banjos, and mandolins. The Rowetta is an 80-foot wooden tender boat painted black and white. It's used for moving seafood and ice between fishing grounds and the local processor, OBI Seafoods. The fish is stored in large holds below deck. But tonight, that space is for creating sound. Husband and wife duo Robin and Daniel Cardenas are the first to climb down into the hold. Okay. 
Spectators on deck can just see the tops of their heads. The music bounces off the metal walls, reverberating up and out towards the audience. The Rowetta was built in 1931. In addition to Fish and the occasional musician, she's held mail and freight in her hold throughout her long life. Deacon says being a part of that legacy is important to her. It's fun being part of that. I mean, you're talking about 96 years of different people maintaining this piece of machinery. But the Rowetta of today is breaking with the past in some ways. Deacon is proud to be one of just a handful of female captains in the local fishing fleet. And the crew is starting some new traditions, like the Fishhold Open Mic. And they don't just host the music, they're making it too. What we like to do is we create a lot of junk instruments. That's Rowetta crew member Aaron Gore-Reif, who is also Deacon's partner. You know, just instruments out of random things that you can put into someone's hands and anyone can pick it up, like, like the gut bucket. True to its name, the gut bucket used to hold actual fish guts. Now, it's an instrument played by many who come aboard. Pretty sure it's uh, derived from the old washtub bass. It's just a way really to get music in people's hands with not needing a big fancy instrument. And then you get this lovely thum. In fitting with the Rowetta's DIY theme, Gore Reif uses an old cigarette lighter to pluck the string. <laughs> hang on, hang on, I'll get, you, I'll get you something you can write home about. Deacon says the gut bucket is just one of many manifestations of the crew's creativity, fueled by life at sea. So I think some of my best music has come from being on a boat for too long. And part of that's what spawned the idea of the open mic fishhold. That artistic space Deacon and her crew have cultivated is just a temporary one. The crew is hanging up their guitars and their buckets for the season. And their visitors say... They'll miss being part of the weird little community around the Rowetta's fish hold. Well, singing in a fish hold for an open mic night is pretty darn, it's pretty special. Doesn't seem like that happens very many places, right? Welcome to Alaska. Uh, I love the fact that you can't always just go be yourself in a musical, artistic, creative environment. Um, here you can. Uh, accolades. Deacon says there's no rest for the useful. She and Aaron will spend the winter in Washington State retrofitting a short bus as a travel home. And the Rowetta will sit at the docks, songless, until summer returns. From the deck of the Rowetta in Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.